0: Mac Power Users, Episode 586, iPhone Productivity. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. And I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks.
1: Hello, Stephen. How are you? Uh,
0: I'm good. I should tell people that I'm recording in my bedroom with all this stuff set up on my dresser. So if you hear a loud crash in the middle of recording, it's just something falling off the dresser. Uh, but I'm having concrete poured for my studio expansion. And obviously if I were recording in there, I would be stuck inside my studio for three days. Uh, <laughs> Cause the concrete goes right up to the door.
1: <laughs> or depending on how fast the concrete dies uh, dries, you may be there for much longer.
0: Yes. Uh, so I'm working uh, from inside the house for the next few days. So Forgive me if this sounds a little bit different, but I'm very excited uh, and we will definitely be sharing more about that expansion as uh, construction
1: continues. Right now, thousands of audience members are thinking about COVID and rolling their eyes and saying, welcome to the club.
0: I know. And I'm sure also people rolling their eyes of like, how many more old computers could he put into a a building?
1: Um, We'll find out. That's why you expand it.
0: Nope. No, I'd expand it for work reasons. I mean, also for collection reasons. Uh, Yeah. Real quick, if you are listening to this episode, when it goes up, you just have a few more days to get your hands on an MPU classy T-shirt. Pre-orders close on May the 4th, Star Wars Day. So if you're listening to this after May the 4th, I'm so sorry, but the classy
1: tees have come and gone. Yes. They've gone to a galaxy far, far away. Oh, that's good. There may be some mugs left. Those are also going. So get in there, get your mug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a great,
0: great thread on the MPU form of the people who have gotten their mugs already. And man, they look so good in real life. Uh, I'm very pleased how they came out.
1: I haven't got mine yet. That is frustrating.
0: Yeah. So if you order it with a t-shirt, <laughs> they ship it all at once to save you on yeah, shipping. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I yeah. know you ordered 15 t-shirts. So
1: yeah, something like that. I'm just decked out now. I'm like Steve jobs. I'll always be wearing a battery uh, yeah. t-shirt now. No, it's good. I do think though, the, I just wanted to say on those tumblers, we kind of just took a risk on this cause we didn't want to do the cheesy coffee mug that everybody does. And, um, these are are manufactured by Yeti. They're very good quality. Whether you want hot drinks or cold drinks, and uh, we did not like get tacky with the branding. It's just a nice battery on it. Somebody wrote me and said that we should have made it so when the the mug is full, that the battery is full, and then as you finish your drink, the battery empties. Mm. And I feel like that person gives me way more credit than I'm entitled to. Because I'm not <laughs> sure how I'd ever do that, but. But uh, it is just a battery, but it is an amazing mug, and there is a limited supply. So if you're interested, uh, they're a little pricey because you know we paid somebody else to make them. But man, it would look really nice on your desk. Go check it out.
0: And today on More Power Users, the longer member version of the show, we're going to be talking about iOS 14.5, which has been out for a few days now. Big update to iOS and iPadOS. And of course, it comes with corresponding big Sur and watch update we're really going to focus on ios and talk about the privacy tracking stuff and some of the other really cool features so stick around for that if you are a member and if you're not uh you should sign up at relay.fm slash mpu slash join
1: iphone productivity steven yeah this one's been on my mind for a while um Quite often I hear people talking about, you know, iOS as consumption and they're like, How do you actually get work done on your iPhone? You know, it's great for reading Twitter and, you know, whatever, but how many people actually get work done on their iPhone? So I started tracking all the substantive work I do on my iPhone, and you did the same. And we came up with quite a list. I mean, I feel like the iPhone doesn't get enough credit for helping people get their work done.
0: I think so too. I mean, really when thinking over this outline of this episode, I realized that almost everything I do in my business I can do from a phone. I mean, I'm not going to record or edit podcasts from an iPhone, but almost everything else including preparing a show for publication and uploading audio and stuff, my phone is capable of doing it all. And thinking back even 5 years ago or, you know, even further back, I think that would have surprised me, but they've become so capable. And the app ecosystem, we're going to talk a lot about some of the apps we use. They've all gotten so good. It, it really can be the case that if I am out and about and something comes up for work, I can handle almost anything from the device that's already with me. And that is pretty
1: cool. Yeah, I mean, and and in today's outline, we've got the kind of in a jam recommendations where you can use your phone in a jam. But we've also got just recommendations just for doing your work on your iPhone. And I wonder if one of the reasons both of us are enthusiastic about this is because we both have the big ones, you know, with that bigger screen that does make it a little easier, but I would imagine pretty much everything we're going to talk about today will also work on the smaller iPhone as well.
0: I think so. I mean, I think the the pro max gives you obviously a bigger window Uh, into your work but they're all perfectly capable and perfectly fast
1: before we get started um i think that i want to just talk about the the idea of productivity on a mobile device because i know there's somebody out there listening right now that spends every day working in you know pivot table spreadsheets that's going ah you can't do any of this work on an iphone that's never going to work and i get that i mean some there's some things that people do that require a big screen or maybe a bigger processor although that's kind of hard to say about the iphone anymore then i get that but just because you can't do that one thing like for me the one thing would be screencast editing i i record so many screencasts and i edit those on a big screen mac with you know software that's unavailable for iOS. so of course i can't do that but that doesn't mean i can't get work done and what i would ask you to challenge yourself with If the first thing you thought about when you heard this category was, oh, I can't do that because I need that spreadsheet or that screencasting software, is think about all the other things that relate to your work that you can do with that computer in your pocket.
0: Yeah, I think almost everyone will have something that they can't do. I mean, I mentioned the audio work for me, but if you're in certain types of corporate environments, you know, there may be quite a few things you can't do on your phone But for me, it's about the things that I can and the things that, um, you know, even in a pinch, if I need to to take care of something that the phone is capable of, even if it's not my, my, wouldn't it be my first choice if I were, say, in the office, like on a normal day. But being able to take most of it with me and being able to really fine tune what works well on it has come a long, long way.
1: All right. and, and so with our outline today, we're going to talk about some obvious things. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is email. But as we get deeper down this rabbit hole of a show, we're going to get even weirder with things you can do to be productive on your iPhone. So I think we should just get started. You want to talk about email? Sounds good. For me, uh, I have, uh, you know, gone through the email meat grinder so many times I can't remember. But at this point, I am using two apps for mail. I use Apple Mail for my IMAP accounts, and I'm using Hey for a couple other accounts. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've been, you know, I've talked about Hey in the past, and I'm, I'm continuing to use it. And uh, for the IMAP accounts, I'm using Apple Mail, and I feel like I'm in a better spot with email now than I have been in a long time. I want to talk a little bit further about what that means on iPhone, but before I do, why why don't you share what your key email apps are at this point?
0: Yeah, I am not uh, afflicted by the email app wandering that some people are. I won't say who.
1: <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> uh,
0: so yes, yeah, so I mean, I mean, we've talked about this uh, in the past too, but yeah, I'm I'm all in on Apple Mail. I don't have notifications on except for a few select VIPs, which, David, you are one of them. Because of my email is my personal email is Gmail and my work accounts are uh, Google work app suite, whatever it's called this week. I don't have true push notifications for my email. Now, for what I do, that's not a big deal. But for some people, that is a deal breaker and you've got to either go to a third party application that kind of checks your Gmail for you and sends you a push notification or uh, find a provider that does offer true instant push email, something like uh, Exchange or Apple's own iCloud, for instance, is push email. But for me, the phone fetching the email in its own time totally works for me. I don't need those push notifications. I do have it badged for the inbox, and I, I try uh, very strictly to have my inbox cl- as clear as possible at all times. But Apple Mail gives me enough. I don't – I I just the way that I work, I don't benefit from something that offers more. You know, somebody like my business partner, Mike Hurley, You know, he wants to use an email app where he can talk to our sales manager, you know, and and behind the scenes. And a lot of people do like, hey, Federico and John at Mac Stories have switched to it for their business email. Uh, But for me, Apple Mail, while basic, meets the needs and is reliable enough that um, it's been on the dock of my iPhone forever.
1: Yeah, It's funny, you know, I really think there's two kinds of badges there are informational badges that tell you like, Hey, you know, something happened here. You need to check out. And there are irritant badges that you put on there intentionally because you know, you hate the badge and it gives you a motivation to go and get rid of the badge. Like in drafts uh, I have, if there's anything in the inbox that's unprocessed, I have an irritant badge I put up. And at the end of the day, I want to clear out that inbox because I don't want that badge it sounds to me like your email is almost an irritant badge.
0: It, it is. Uh, I definitely am one who believes in an email is going to get replied to or archived basically as soon as I can get to it, or if it, if it's going to become a task, you know, stick it in my task manager and then uh, and then archive it. And there's a bunch of different ways to do that. Mail itself doesn't have a share sheet which does limit some of them on iOS. So there there are times where mail will hang out in an inbox until I'm back at a Mac where I can either deal with it or just make it a task and you know have a link to it in the task description. But I mean for me again I really want to keep the number down so like right now I've got 3 emails in my inbox and looking at them, you know, one is a, an ongoing support ticket I have with Apple for something. One is an agenda for a meeting I have tomorrow. And so that I'm just going to copy into the, my calendar, uh, thing in a second. And then third is a bill that I need to pay and then, you know, make a receipt for. So for me, I really try to keep it as minimal as possible because otherwise I find at least that things get lost and that I'll forget things. And, and when I do go in there and there's 20 things, you know, I sort of feel the overwhelming uh, weight of that. So I try to keep it, uh, I try to stay on top of it as much as possible.
1: Yeah. Do you, where do you keep your mail badge? Is it like on your home screen or it's
0: on the dock um, yeah, Okay. and really just because of momentum, I guess, uh, that mail's just <laughs> been there from yeah. the beginning. And yeah. and so, uh, you know, and I do use it pretty often on my phone. I actually find something about doing email on the phone kind of nice in a way. I mean, there's a lot of times I need to reference something on the Mac or on the web, and it's nicer to do on a Mac where I have a bigger screen. But if I just have some emails I need to fire off quick replies to, using the phone for me at least, kind of puts me in that mode for like, hey, this is just like a fast response back to somebody and it doesn't need to be this big involved thing.
1: Yeah, so so I use mail very differently in the context of the iPhone. Like, you know, we're talking about iPhone productivity. I find one of the ways I can be productive with the phone is if I actually don't spend much time on mail because a lot of the mail I get needs a considered reply. And so then I just get hung up in things I can't really act on. So the mail app icons for me are in the app library. I, they're buried in the app library. I don't even have them on home screen or widgets or anything for them. And so I rarely go in to email on my devices unless I'm like away from my computer for a day. And I just want to do a quick triage. But so I like the convenience of having it there. But I actually access those apps maybe once every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um and the way i deal with mail though is as i'm working on my phone you know i i like to send work out to people more than take work from people <laughs> you know if i'm dealing like if i'm working on something and i want to get a note out to a client or or have a question i need answered i will actually write the email in drafts and then drafts has a really slick way to open apple mail and send the mail off for me and it's just really clever and um that way, I can send mail from the iPhone without checking the inbox on the iPhone, and then I have in my you know daily hyper scheduling, I have a block in the morning, a short block in the morning, a long block in the afternoon to deal with email, so I actually really do the heavy lifting of email twice a day while I'm sitting at a computer, and I just find that the easiest way, like one of the reasons is the the lack of a sharing button that mm-hmm. I moaned and whined about on iPhone forever. And now I just don't deal with it. You know, when I'm on the Mac, I can hit the Command-P button twice and turn anything into a PDF. And and I think that's the reason why the listeners haven't heard me go on a rant lately about email apps is because I've really scaled back what I do with email, particularly on iPhone. On, on iPad, it's a different story for another day. And, but with iPhone, I actually um, uh, I find it a useful tool to have, but I don't really use it the way most people do when I'm on that thing in my pocket.
0: That well, makes sense. And I, I think that a lot of this has to do with the type of email you've got to do. And we've talked a lot about over the years how your workflow, especially on the legal side, is you know pretty document-heavy. Or you need to go and like... <laughs> my guess is you don't have a lot of those quick type replies that you can
1: send at least for the legal side right yeah those are the ones that get you in trouble
0: right (laughs) right yeah you just like fire it off like at at, you know sitting in line at the gas station and you're just like oh no what happened and so you know that makes sense for you um you know one thing that i've done to help help with that is i uh, i've talked about this before but i handle the all of the customer service requests for members of relay fm that email comes to me and it's funny like you know, six out of ten times, someone's like, "Oh, I didn't think you'd it'd be," you know, I "didn't think you'd be the one answering." Or thanks for answering so quickly. And one way I've been able to speed that up is, you know, just in any customer service role, you have similar questions from people, right? And yeah. I view those as okay; these are areas I need to clarify or make the process better. But I've been able to use Text Expander, which you know, previous and current sponsor of the show, to give me replies back to people and a lot of times i can just drop a text expander snippet it works on the iphone perfectly well and be able to send those emails out back pretty quickly and you know having those tools that sort of are around email help this but it definitely all comes down to uh, the type of work uh, that your that your email requires you know what what type of work email will create for you you know sometimes i feel like my email inbox is just a to-do list that other people can put things in and depending on how you look at that is going to i think radically change how you view email on the phone
1: well i do think an excellent point is uh text expansion of one sort or another you know text expander is the more powerful version even just the built-in text expansion stuff that ios has but if you're going to be doing any type of serious email work on a mobile device you need to take full um you know use of that stuff because you do not want to be thumb typing paragraphs at a time especially if you're going to have to thumb type the same paragraph you know two emails later so uh, be very aware if you're going to handle email on your phone what are the typical replies you make and and how can you automate those and there there are a lot of ways to do mm-hmm. it I also do in text expander. One of the nice things about um, drafts is it has built in text expander integration. So it does the expansion right in the app. Yeah. And that's another reason why I use drafts, but the, um, but I do think that that is on the iPhone in particular, that is something you need to be aware of and, and map out and you will save yourself so much time in the long run, no matter which email app you use.
0: And uh, I'll point people to MPU 539. We did a whole episode on email. And so you can listen to many more of our thoughts over on that episode. <laughs> this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends over at 1Password. Learn more and get 20% off at 1Password.com slash MPU. I'll think of 1Password as that place to store things like logins to social media or maybe our bank website. With 1Password, you can store almost anything you would ever need because it is a really flexible tool. It comes with a bunch of categories. Of course, you have logins. I have over 700 of them stored in 1Password. But you also have secure notes. So if you have text or uh, even attachments that you need securely encrypted but you want to keep with you, secure notes is a great way to do it. You also have credit cards. Uh, they have a bank account section so you can go in and they're routing and account numbers. This is something I use all the time at work. A lot of, of our sponsors pay a via wire transfer and instead of having to go look that up every time, I can just go into 1Password, get that information, fill out the form they need, and be on my way. And with 1Password for Teams, it makes it really easy to be able to do all of this with my coworkers. And so we have Vaults set up to share information between different people on the team. So we all have access to the information uh, that we need when we need it. To learn more about 1Password and 1Password for Teams, head on over to onepasswordcom MPU to learn more. Sign up for a free thirty day trial and get twenty percent off when you do once again that's one slash m p u and my thanks to one password for sponsoring the show related to email is messaging more broadly you know how do how do we communicate with people uh outside of email and i I'd like to hear from you on this um you know, I think we've talked about before that you don't want your legal clients. You know, you don't want to do that over text message. It's harder to keep the receipts, et cetera. Um, but where does messaging fit in elsewhere?
1: I mean, there's a lot of places it does fit in. Like when I'm in trial, there was always issues with witness availability, and you know, throughout my career, cell phones have existed, but you know, messaging really wasn't a thing so much later, and. So for a long time, every time the judge would call a recess, you'd race out into the hallway, call your secretary, find out where the witness is, when they're going to be there, or even like try to have someone on the other side communicate with the witness for you. So you made sure that you didn't get to a point where the judge looked at you and said, "Call your witness," and the person wasn't there. It's a big problem when you're a trial lawyer, you know. <laughs> and like messaging immediately solved that problem because I can be in a courtroom communicating directly with the witness and my staff and make sure everything is managed while the case is ongoing. And I don't have these like frantic 10 minute breaks where I'm trying to like, you know, you know, wrestle, you know, monkeys and it's just so much easier. So I immediately realized the value of it. You know, it is a communication that is utterly silent. that can help you get your work done. So I'm a fan of messaging in general, and there's a lot of ways I use it but i uh but i still don't like to make like substantive um uh, communications with clients the, the, the downside is for me that my a lot of my clients have been with me 20 almost 30 years and they they know my cell phone number and they don't think twice about messaging me you know so mm-hmm. so what i'll do in those cases if they ask me a substantive question i will uh either take a screenshot or just capture it and sure. this kind of gets back to the idea of managing this stuff on the mac and then I'll send an email saying, hey, you texted me asking me this, and this is the answer. And I can just kind of divert the communication to where it needs to be. But, yeah, I mean, I don't really do a whole lot of uh, exotic things with messages. Um, I do use the sharing button. I only use the built-in messages app. I don't um, I don't use um, any of the other alternative services. I don't seem to need to. Um occasionally I'll have like I have some clients in Asia and they'll want to use a third-party messaging service and I'll install whatever app they want, but usually that kind of comes and goes. And with the new emergence of FaceTime, um, the ability to use FaceTime to send or just messages on the Apple system, not FaceTime. Um, most of my clients are on on the Apple ecosystem. A lot of them are developers, and um uh, So that really kind of solved that problem as well. But I I don't really have a whole lot to share with messages except, yeah, this is a good work tool. And I think the key skill, if you're going to use messages for substantive work, is uh, finding a way to share that out. If you need to get it into your task manager or Mm -hmm. save the receipt, you know, to some other place.
0: Yeah, because just like mail, sharing stuff out of messages is not super easy, Uh, and in some ways, it's harder to get back to a certain thread and and basically impossible to get back to a certain part of a thread, you know, every email has its own URL. And if you get that URL and you click it, it goes back right to that message. Even if the message has moved mailboxes messages is obviously a little bit different than that. Uh, But I'm like you, I don't have anything real wild going on in messages. I tend not to use it for work when I can help it. Uh, We'll talk about communicating with our teams in a minute uh, but i do use a a third party messaging app a good bit called groupme uh, it's actually owned by microsoft now um and it's just a cross platform group text messaging app and and uh you can have diff- you can be in different groups and that sort of thing uh and for whatever reason this is just what people at our church have settled on so i'm in a couple of different groups there with church people and it's fine um one of the things I love about Apple messages is that it's on the Mac and most of the time that's how I interact with it. You know, I don't have to pick up my phone to answer a text because it just comes into the Mac. GroupMe has a pretty lame <laughs> website and so that I basically just use just use on the phone. Um, but it it is like pretty old school I mean, I'm looking at their product page right now and one of the screenshots is from iOS 6 and so... I don't think Skype or Microsoft have taken great care of GroupMe, but it's on my phone, and and uh, and I like you. Also, will occasionally have to dip into something like like WhatsApp or, or something else, um, but the bulk of it is the vast majority of it is in iMessage.
1: Yeah, uh, one thing I would add is one of the iOS 13 features they added that makes messaging easier for work is threaded replies. And um, often when you're text messaging someone. They may ask you two or three questions at a time. You know, they'll say, "You know, can I borrow a thousand dollars?" And then under that, they'll write, were, "You know, were your test results positive?" You know, and then you write back, "Yes." You know, and you don't know what you just said yes to. Um, so with these threaded replies, you can click or tap on a question and then reply specifically to that question, and it threads the reply into the message thread. And with the uh, simple client questions, I do that all the time now and I think that's a, a very easy way to use. It's almost like inline replies for emails. It's just a better way to be more clear in your communications and I think that's that's a definite uh, work skill if you're going to be using messages
0: mm-hmm. I mean even in like a family thread you know that gets busy and hectic, being able just to long press on a message or right click on it on the Mac and say, "Hey reply is uh is very helpful, and it does clear up some you know sometimes comical <laughs> miscommunications,
1: yes, agreed. um there's a different kind of messaging though that I think is even more common for work, and that's team communications, and I thought it'd be fun to just mention that uh, for me the the primary team communication for uh, the Max Barkey verse is the Slack, you know, Mm -hmm. the Relay Slack, where I work with Steven and my other co-hosts on the other podcasts and, you know, communicate with the editor and the team at Relay. And I find this a very, you know, good use of something like Slack. People seem to get it. They don't, you know, send a bunch of messages that don't really matter. They kind of stay on point. And um, I know a lot of folks are down on Slack, but I have found it an excellent tool for this type of team communication.
0: I have 2 and it has scaled really well from you know the beginning when relay was just a few people. I mean right now in the relay slack there are I'm actually going to look it up. Um it's something like 6 okay there's 63 people in the relay slack now. People that we work with and being able to divide that up into different rooms for different things. I can direct message any number of people at any given time, you know? So like if I need to see what's going on, you know, say with, uh, with focused, one of your other shows, I can just click into the focused room and, you know, y'all have, uh, me in there with access and it lets me very quickly, you know, see what's going on and, and then move on with my day. And Slack is, I think you make or break your Slack on the, the back of your organizational method. And so for us having a channel per podcast and then having some that are a little more topic focused. So like we have one just for the development of the content management system. We have one just with our sales manager. You know, we have one about uh, the cross promotional stuff we're doing now at the end of a bunch of shows, being able to go into a channel or into a room and know that this conversation is where this goes has totally made it work for us and being able to, you know, ignore channels that, you know, like, okay, if there's something, you know, hanging out in a channel that I don't need to see, I can just leave it because I know, I know the realm in which that conversation will be based on the channel it's in. And so we have a lot of channels, right? My sidebar in Slack goes on forever, but that organization has really made it easy to navigate a bunch of different conversations with a bunch of different people.
1: I think one of the tricks if you're going to use Slack for your work communications um, is to really focus on keeping work communications in Slack and, and nothing else. I, um, Stephen and I, and frankly me and the other hosts that I work with, we all have kind of an unwritten agreement that stuff we write in Slack is about the shows we make together. You know, Stephen and I were writing in Slack this morning about today's show and some planning elements but if I want to send him a picture of the rattlesnake in my backyard, I'm gonna I'm gonna message it to him. And do you remember snake, or is that a, just
0: is it a hypothetical snake?
1: That happens, but I, I haven't sent you one. Next time that happens, I'll send you one.
0: Well, I think we all remember the time that a hawk flew down and ate a snake right outside your window. Yes,
1: yes, that was pretty amazing. If I, I you know, I what? think
0: about that all the time.
1: I. I have now got way more security cameras. I am going to eventually capture some wildlife. I think I did send you one recently when my dog chased a squirrel through the yard. Yes. yes, Yeah, that was pretty funny. But the um, either way, yeah, I'm going to eventually capture a hawk murder. And mm-hmm. I think that is uh, very possible with my current camera configuration. So I'll, I'll keep you posted. But that would not go in Slack. That would go to a mm-hmm. message.
0: And it would go viral on YouTube later.
1: <laughs> I doubt it. I suspect there's a lot of those. <laughs> you got this, man. <laughs> the, uh, you got to believe. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, e- but either way, you know, I think trying to keep the, you know, getting back to the idea of being productive with the iPhone is you, you keep the that app for that source of productivity. And then to the extent you have badges on it and stuff, you know that it's just not your goofy podcasting partner sending you silly pictures. It's actually something related to your work and then you can prioritize uh, appropriately. And Mm -hmm. I, I just think bringing a level head to all this stuff makes such a difference.
0: Something else that is nice about Slack, and I think Teams has this as well, is that you can set do not disturb settings in the app. And so, you know, for instance, our sales manager does this because she's in the UK. You know, she has her Slack account go into do not disturb at a certain time. And I know that I can send her a message and it's not going to bother her in her evening and she'll see it the next morning and she doesn't have to put her whole phone into do not disturb and you know messages has that per thread or per person but it is nice you know if i'm on vacation for instance i put slack the whole thing into do not disturb i can still use the rest of my iphone the way i want but slack isn't going to bother me on vacation and that's another nice reason to look at tools like this for team communication because you can really set them up sort of as little universes inside your iPhone.
1: Agreed. And it just it really plays nicely on the iPhone. It's just, I mean, I guess I should back up a step. The Slack app isn't the best app, but I mean, it looks fine. It's easy to access. It's easy to get your information using the iPhone version.
0: Yeah. And they've got a share extension, which I use a good bit. You know, take a screenshot and need to send it to somebody. And that all that all works really well.
1: Yeah. Uh, related team communications for me is Basecamp. Yep. We have a Basecamp for the, the team that helps me you with know, the field guides and some of the blogging and back-end stuff. And the reason I use that one is just because uh, some of the people on the team are not as tech-savvy as others, and I just feel like this is fine. Anybody, Almost anybody that opens up Basecamp can figure it out. It's, it's a very simple interface, and I think that is part of the beauty of Basecamp, honestly. you know. <laughs> And uh, the more I use it, the more I appreciate it. And so we we do a lot of back-end management and communications there. And they do have a way to message each other. It's not really Slack. It's really something more of a task, joint task manager, calendaring kind of topic management. But but it's really good for that, and I'm super happy with it.
0: Good. Another messaging app that I use on my phone uh, all the time is Discord, which is not too dissimilar from Slack we have a bunch of Relay FM members in there. It's a members only community. We have, you know, half a dozen channels, a dozen channels or so based on topic. You can have private chats and then all that sort of thing. It is a link in its marketing, at least, you know, less businessy than Slack, but you could totally use it for business. And for me, I use it very much like Slack, where I dip in and out of it throughout the day and. I've got it on my phone, so if uh, a moderator or somebody needs me, they can get a hold of me. You know, it's definitely how I communicate with a lot of people and hang out with a lot of people. And uh, its uh, it, I think it's actually much better on the phone than it is on the Mac. And so the phone is basically the primarily, primary way I use Discord.
1: Yeah, it's like Twitter without monsters.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like if Twitter and Slack had a baby, you end up with Discord.
1: Yeah. I I mean I I don't know that it's work related, but I I like hanging out on the the Mac Power Users forums and also the the Discord for Relay as well, and those are fun interactions where you know you're not going to deal with some bozo, and mm-hmm. um, that's cool. Yeah, you can do that on the phone though. I mean, both of those have apps and the ability to run them with the uh, with the phone. When I'm dealing with the MPU forums, one thing I do, however, is I have a little shortcut I made that um, will resize an image before I upload it to the forums if I'm doing it from mobile because the the images on the phone, like a screenshot, are just too big. The forum barfs if you throw the file that big yeah. at them. So I made a quick shortcut to uh, yeah. to convert an image for the forum.
0: And we should say we're sort of dancing around the topic of shortcuts today, we're going to work on a full episode on how we use shortcuts, maybe bring an expert in to talk about it as well. Uh, So really today we're kind of on the app level, but scattered throughout all of this are various shortcuts that we both use that we're going to circle back to in the future. We're not, you know, we know we're sort of like there's this elephant in the room with shortcuts on the iPhone and we're kind of just ignoring that elephant for today for the most part.
1: Yeah. And we know that as we're recording this, we aren't that far away from WWDC where shortcuts could hopefully get even better. And we don't wanna we just don't wanna cover it right now. We're gonna wait until after WWDC.
0: Yeah, they always add new triggers or, you know, new workflows. And so I, I'm excited to see what they bring uh this year because I think they've done a pretty good job the last couple of
1: years making it better. Quick aside, you think this is the year for shortcuts on the Mac?
0: Hmm. I think it could be. I think there is a bigger story to tell about iOS apps on the Mac and bringing shortcuts over could be enticing to a lot of people.
1: I got a feeling I haven't talked to anybody. I don't know anything, but I got a feeling this is the year. So I guess All we'll right. find out. I like it. Yeah. It's got a feeling. I'm not in any, uh, what is it? I'm not in any of your contests, your uh, your polls, your, yeah. your drafts. Ricky I'm not in picks. any of that stuff. Ricky picks. None of that stuff. But I, I have a feeling this will be the year we get shortcuts on the Mac. Last bit of communications, which is interesting to me that this is the one we put last, is is telephone. You know, yeah. <laughs> It's called an iPhone. Um, and I think a lot of people don't use it for work anymore. People don't want to talk on the phone. Uh, I actually talk on the phone a lot, especially with something like COVID where I can't go meet people anymore. And uh, I use the the, uh, the <laughs> iPhone as a phone all the time. A couple power tricks here is if you get a set of AirPods, just put one in at a time. Just put an, you know, put an AirPod in your left ear, or your right ear. Leave the other one in the case so it's always charging. And that way, if you have a lot of calls during the day and and you start hearing the beeping noise that your your AirPods running out of battery, you can just swap the other one in and put the other one into charge. Hot swappable AirPods, <laughs> you know. Um, th- th- I mean, there's not a whole lot of power tips here, but it's just, I mean, I do use it as a phone.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I do, too. Not as much as you do, but I think more than a lot of people. Uh, I definitely believe the same as you do, that at some point, most conversations could take way less time if you just pick up the phone and call somebody and talk on the phone for 90 seconds, as opposed to having, you know, a text back and forth all afternoon. You know, the phone itself, you know, like the phone application hasn't really changed that much, but it's it's still you know, gets the job done. I still, to this day, love, it's so simple now because we, we don't even think about it, but I love that the voicemail box is kind of like an email inbox. And so I can save messages, you know, that I want or go back to specific ones. Something that, I mean, do you remember how revolutionary visual voicemail felt in 2007? Yeah. And like now yeah. we take it for granted, but I still think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I agree. A couple workflow things I do with phone because a lot of times... I am on calls, and the only thing I have with me is my phone, is I will open a draft. So if you're on a call, just swipe up from the bottom, and then you have full access to all your apps. And the two I most frequently access when I'm on a call is is Fantastical, my calendar app, which I have as a widget on my home screen, so that's easy to get to, and then drafts, where I can capture some text. And um, in drafts, you can put, like, um timestamps and date stamps or if you have a t- uh, text expander integration you can get them that way as well. So uh, a a cool trick I use is I can uh take quick notes on a call while well, I'm on the call just with my phone as a text file. I use this so often that I have created templates and drafts especially for the legal side of my life where it puts in the date and time and it says call from I just fill in the name. I've got an entry at the bat- bottom for action items so All the stuff I can pre-populate into that note I do. And Rose and I have gone into great depth as to how you do that on the Automators podcast, if you're interested. And so when I get a call uh, related to legal work, um, I got the AirPod in one ear. I open a draft that's specifically templated for legal calls. And I take notes on it. And when I'm done, I've got everything saved. And I've done all of that on my phone. And Steven's going, what kind of madman would do that?
0: <laughs> no, no, I totally get it. Uh, I mean, when I was a project manager, you know, in a previous life, I had a very similar system. I used Text Expander for it, but y- having a system to capture information from phone calls is huge because it's like the whole reason I'm having the call is to work something out. So I want to make sure that I have good information on what we worked out.
1: <laughs> This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by SaneBox. If you want to get productive with your iPhone and email, go to SaneBox.com slash MPU and receive a $25 credit on any plan. I was thinking about this the other day, and most email applications are like Tony Stark. You know, they're pretty good. They're pretty smart. But then when you put Tony Stark in an Iron Man suit, he is a lot more powerful. And that's what SaneBox is. It's the Iron Man suit. For your email. With Samebox, it can learn what email is important to you and it filters out what isn't, saving you hours. Samebox works with all kinds of email programs and services. You don't have to have a special app. So, whether you're on IMAP or Gmail or using Apple Mail or some other mail application, Samebox just works. It's got a great email filtering service with the same Later folder that keeps your inbox to only what matters most. There's the same black hole, so you can unsubscribe with one click. They've got a snooze feature there, which at first I didn't think I'd use, and now I use all the time. With snooze, you can send an email often to the future. So if it's Friday afternoon and a work email comes in that can wait until Monday morning, snooze it until Monday, then you don't have to look at it all weekend. It's great. And then my favorite feature is saying Reminders, where it can remind you if someone doesn't reply to your email. So if, for example, I send Stephen an email, with a blind copy at one week at samebox.com. and Stephen doesn't write me back and he always does. So that wouldn't be a problem, but let's just pretend he doesn't. And then in a week, I'll get a reminder from samebox saying, Hey, Stephen never wrote you back. What are you going to do about it? And that is super useful because now I don't have to track all that stuff in my task manager. samebox just sends me the reminders. And if he does write me back, then I never have to worry about it again. But SaneBox is more than filtering. You can move attachments to Dropbox and other cloud services, and it's very reasonably priced with price plans starting as low as $4 a month. And best of all, you can get a 14-day free trial if you go to sanebox.com slash MPU. So... Go there right now, sameboxcom MPU. Get a $25 credit and give it a try. Mac Power users, listeners love SaneBox. There are so many of you that are using it. If you are having trouble with email, this is the solution you need to check out. Give yourself that Iron Man power suit. Go to sameboxcom MPU and check it out today. The next category of getting work with your iPhone apps, to me, is capture tools. Because in addition to being a great communication tool, the iPhone is always in your pocket. So it's one of the best ways to capture information. Um, And I thought we'd start with just the iPhone as scanning device. Um, One of the realizations I had when I made the paperless field guide, the second edition, was how much that's changed. When I made the first edition, scanning apps were starting, but the iPhone cameras weren't very good and the the software wasn't very good. But at this point, the scanning apps are so good that um, I don't think a lot of people need to spend the money on a document scanner because you can just pull the iPhone out of your pocket. If you're scanning 10 documents a week, you should not spend $400 for a document scanner. And, um, I was curious, what are you using to scan documents? Or do you even do that much? Maybe you don't need that. that I do it some.
0: I do I do that mostly on the Mac. I have just a generic flatbed scanner I bought a hundred years ago and oh my use image capture on the Mac.
1: Crazy. That makes me crazy. I know.
0: Um, but if I am on the phone, uh I'll use Apple notes if that's where it's going to live. And so a big thing that has actually kind of become a really big thing in our household is Mary and I have a shared folder. In Apple Notes, you know, at some point they added the ability to just basically say any note in this folder automatically gets shared with this other person. Yeah, And so, you know, things like, for instance, our daughter just had allergy testing done and we got the results back. I just whipped up my phone, scanned the pages in Apple Notes and saved it in a shared note. So Mary and I both have access to that. And that works really well. Uh, If I'm scanning something, you know, with my phone and say I need to send it to uh, someone I'm working with or something else like that. I used to use ScanBot. It's now called SwiftScan. And it, it went to be a subscription, which I have no problem with for apps that I use all the time. But I don't do this very often. Uh, and Mary came across uh, an app called Scanner Pro, which I believe you use as well. And uh, yeah. so I've got that on my phone. And for the occasional scan that I do, it, it gets the job done pretty well.
1: It's funny because those are the two apps I covered in the paperless field guide. I'm a, I'm in the process of taking Scanbot out of the field guide. Next update, I'm going to pull it out because they've changed their business model and everything so much that it's just not one that I'm going to be using. So it's hard for me to recommend it. Um, so I'm using scanner pro currently, but I'm testing a whole bunch of other ones right now. In mm-hmm. fact, if you're listening and you've got one that you really love, send me a note, but the, um, The scanner pro is great. It's got automation tools built in. It's got edge detection. So you just, you know, hold it over a piece of paper and it automatically finds the edges, you know, it doesn't take a picture of your desk as well. And, you know, it's, it's a solid app and, uh, and that's the one I use as well.
0: Yeah. And there, there are a bunch of them out there. Uh, The thing that is uh, is nice about scanner pro and some of the others is that it will do OCR as well. So you can search for text within the PDF. Uh, you know, that's not a, a huge deal for me with this type of scanning, the sort of fast mobile scanning. Uh, if I'm at my Mac and I'm scanning stuff, uh, I definitely want uh, OCR there as well. But that's definitely a feature to, uh, to
1: look for. Yeah, but I would say if you want to be productive with your phone, pick a scanning app and learn it. You know, these apps are not necessarily easy to use. I mean, the, the easiest one to use is Apple Notes. And I, I meant to say earlier when you talked about it is Apple Notes has a very good uh, AR render where it um, it it reshapes the page. Like if you take an, the picture at an angle where it's like wider at the bottom and, sh- and narrower at the top, uh, Apple Notes does a great job of sorting that out. And it does a, a solid job of making a scan. So if you don't want to spend any money, just open Apple Notes and point it at any page. If you go to the doctor or whatever and you want to take a quick scan – And then once it has made that nice, clean scan for you, Apple Notes also has the ability to share it. So then you can save it to files or email it to somebody or, you know, do whatever. You don't have to just put it in Notes. Um, Apple Notes does not have OCR built in, though. So I guess the first level I would say is Apple Notes is probably the way to go. if You're just going to do this very rarely. If you want to go to the next level, though, and get a scanning app, learn the features because these apps do need a little bit of of homework on them before you can get the most out of them yeah once you figure it out they're super useful and i find excuses to scan things with my phone all the time
0: there's also this idea of the iphone as a digital notepad you know a lot of people including myself still carry like a paper notebook everywhere we go but a lot of people don't because the phone has sort of absorbed that too
1: yeah I have gone up and down on this. Um, I like analog tools and fancy pens and all that. And I do keep a notebook at my desk. But at this point, I have stopped carrying a field guide, you know, a little field guide paper book because I just find the convenience of digital capture so much easier. And, um, you know, I'll give you one guess what app I use. I've only mentioned it like 10 times today. (laughs) It's drafts. Yeah, it's giraffes. Yeah. But it the, the thing about giraffes that makes it so good for this purpose is that you click the icon and it gives you a blinking cursor. And as dumb as that sounds, you know, removing every bit of friction is what makes yeah. it possible to do this digitally. You know, because the argument, and I'm sure you probably would say this, is... With paper, you pull it out of your pocket, you get a pencil, you start writing. There's no app. There's no file to create. You know, you right. don't go to the front page of your field notes and say, create file, create page, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, my notebook isn't syncing. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. Drafts definitely wins for, like, the fastest, like, on the draw with the iPhone, I think. Yeah. Um. You know, we talked about uh, Obsidian last month on an episode. I'm curious where wait, wait, that wait. may are, fall in to this as well for you.
1: Are you going to break my heart about Obsidian, Steven?
0: I am, but I want to know what you think oh, about geez. it on mobile.
1: No, it's great. Um, I have a drafts action that saves a drafts note to Obsidian. But as much as I like Obsidian, it doesn't have that thing where you click the icon and just start typing. You know, you've got to find your way to a place to type. And... If you put it in the wrong place, it gets harder to find. So, Draft still is quick capture for me. I actually find Drafts and Obsidian a, a very good combination because they're both, you know, built upon the idea of a markdown note, so they talk to each other very easily. Mm-hmm. But that—that's just me. Like you know, like I said, I've gone through the thing. I have a drawer full of um, a field guide. Um, what do you call those? Field notes. Field notes. Field yep. guides are mine. Field notes are theirs. Yeah, I have a, a drawer full of field notes. And some of them have these gorgeous covers on them and they're just empty. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> I give them to my kids, you know, they got a, something they need notes for. I'll give them one, but and I'll eventually get through them. I do carry one in my, in my, my, like my go pack sometimes. So I, I guess I'm not entirely uh, digital here. Like if you look at my, my, my briefcase or my backpack, there is a field notes and a pin in there so I can use it if I need to, but. Since pandemic started, I have not removed the field note or the pen from either bag. So it <laughs> gives you a, a sign of how often I use them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, I, I do like that paper capture, but if it is something that I know is needs to be digital right off the bat, it's either Apple notes or TOT, which is a, kind of similar to drafts in the sense you open it and you're on a text field. Uh, I think whatever you use, um, needs to be quick. And I think this is an area where the iPad is ahead of the phone, because if you have an iPad with an Apple pencil, you can configure it where you just tap the lock screen with the pencil and you're in an Apple note right away. And I mean, I, I don't see Apple adding Apple pencil support to the phone anytime soon, but that's really handy on an iPad where you can just immediately pick it up and use it as if
1: it's a notebook. Although really, why not? You know, I mean, if you have a pencil, but, but we are going to do at some point an iPad productivity show. I mean, not, not next week, that's for sure, but we'll get there eventually. And, And that, that would be a point I'd make there, but for being productive with your iPhone, They're really, in my experience, isn't that much difference from paper and pencil notebook or just opening drafts and filling it out. Now, the advantage with drafts is the automation tools. Like I said earlier, you can create automatic templates and drafts. So if there's common things you do, like going to meetings or taking phone calls or whatever, you can create templates and drafts. So then not only does it open up, it like pre-fills the page out for you, and then you type in the bits that you really need. The other advantage of drafts that, that I'm not going to get into today, but we talk on automators all the time, is post-production. You know, once you've written a note with drafts, you can create an action that saves it to Obsidian or puts it in Dropbox or creates an OmniFocus task or whatever you want with it. So I, I find that very convenient. Definitely. The, um, and then since we're going off platform a little bit, um, the other thing that's really convenient with drafts is the Apple Watch complication which I think is probably the fastest way to capture text if you've got an Apple Watch. You literally just raise your wrist, tap the complication and start talking and that text gets saved to your iPhone.
0: Yeah, it's hard to beat where you can just pick up your wrist and tap and then you're off to the races.
1: Like even when I'm driving down the street and something occurs to me, I'm like, "Oh, I forgot to tell Steven about this." Um while I'm driving my car at a stop sign, <laughs> I can just hit the complication and talk, and then it'll capture it. It's mm-hmm. just there's nothing faster than that. But, yeah, I do think the the iPhone can serve as a capture notepad very easily. Just a question of finding the best app. And TOT is another good one because, like you said, it opens up and it just gives you a, a screen. But I think that is the key element of any quick capture note system is that you don't have to fiddle with a file system in order to start writing something down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what is it? The, the field note logo. What, what's their model? It's like I'm not writing it down for tomorrow. I'm writing it down for today. Yeah, or it's. Like it's that.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember
1: it now. Yeah. Well, that's true for me often.
0: Yeah. Oh, same. Uh, I think it's true for a lot of people. You know, sometimes these ideas just come and go, and the the iPhone is such a perfect capture device for this because uh, because it's with you all the time. And we've talked about text, but that's also true for voice and you're a much bigger uh user of things like dictation than I am but voice memos which is just built into the phone is a fantastic way that that you know when i want to capture something with audio uh generally that's how i do it I, I don't need anything fancier it all syncs really well and i can you know go back into them later so that voice memos app, even though it's kind of a default iPhone app, I think it's where you start if you're looking at doing capture just by speaking to the phone.
1: Actually, I think it's where you end. It's just so good. I mean, you press the button, you record. You just think
0: that, that's just where you go.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. The, the exception is if you want to use third-party dictation services, and there's a bunch of them on iPhone where they have an app and you dictate into it. And then a robot or a human on the other end types it up and sends it to you. And they have their own custom apps. And I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole today. But if you're just looking to capture information, um, you know, and you don't want to type or you can't type, then the voice memos app is, I think, a great solution. Hmm. I'm trying to write myself a solo for uh, someday my prince will come, you know. It's like uh, I'm always playing my horn, and and uh, as I, I actually kind of write uh, jazz players. If they're really good, just look at the chords, and they just start riffing, and they make an amazing solo. I actually kind of structure mine, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll wake up thinking about it. You know how your background brain processes things. Sure, but I can't write down a transcription of something in my head, music. I just open voicemail and sing it into my thing. And I've got some really bad singing, but it helps me then the next time I sit down (laughs) with my horn to to transcribe it. But you could also do it for things like conversations. I mean, if you're going to sit down with somebody, like a client, and trying to collect data, then you could say, hey, you're okay if I record this just for me, and then then you've got a recording of it. There's other options on iPad, but I don't want to get into that today.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's the iPhone show.
1: What about capturing the web? You know, that's another thing that the iPhone is good for capture. You know, you you look up something and you want to put that into your workflow. Yeah, I've got
0: a, a couple of different ways of, of going about this depending on what the context is and what the content is that I'm looking to save. Uh, if it is something, for instance, that I want to just make sure that I you know remember to read later on you know i can just stuff it into good links which is the read it later app that i use but another thing here i think kind of related to this is like how do i take something on the web and make it a task for later and this is really sort of one of my like big pieces of advice when talking about productivity on the iphone or the ipad and and even the mac to a lesser degree i guess is to really explore the share sheet And so, you know, if you're using a to-do list application and you want to, you know, if you're like me and you want to link to something or you just want to save something for later to, to act upon, any task manager worth its weight will be there in the share sheet. And you'll be able to, you know, maybe tap out a few words and hit save and save it to something like the inbox in that task manager or save it to a specific list without having to copy the link and paste it in and and all of that sort of stuff. And so really that, that share extension is how I save things from the web, whether it's good links or into my task manager or maybe even into something like Devonthink. Uh using just that share button and picking the app and you know using the panel that it pops up is by far the most frequent and fastest way I do things.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, one thing I'd add to that is whenever we do that shortcut show, this is also a prime area for automation. Like you could have it share to Dev and Think and create a task list item, you know, and put it in Apple notes. You can combine all these into mm-hmm. one step with shortcuts. And if you've got something you do repeatedly, like um, task templating, if I see a website that I want to write something about, Max Barkey, I have a Shortcut that not only adds it to my task list but gives it the proper tags and gives it the proper you know status and all that stuff. So it it makes the creation process even faster.
0: Yes, yeah. So I've got two. I've got one that's I want to link to this on five twelve pixels, and it it has the word link, then a colon, and then it puts the URL and it puts it in the five twelve pixels list and puts it with a due date of today and. The other thing I do is uh, if there's something that I just want to maybe stash in a place for like a future conversation on a podcast, I have an Apple Notes, a note for each one of my podcasts and I can through the share sheet and with Apple Notes very quickly take a URL to a tweet or a web page or anything and just pipe it into that Apple note. So when it's time to sit down and, and think about the outline for a show like liftoff that I do only every couple of weeks, I have a collection of things and it's not that I've spent, you know, more than sometimes just a few seconds uh, for each link, but just as I come across things, save them and stash them for later. And again, I think the key here is that share sheet, that, that, that extension.
1: Everybody pour out a beverage of your favorite choice here. Cause I'm going to say contextual computing again. So I have created a bunch of these for each context of my life, whether it's a podcast or the legal thing. And they're all saved on that shortcut menu item we talked about on the contextual computing episode. And that is one of the ways I get so much work done on my iPhone because it's just, it's so fast. Once you add the automation in it's, you can do it on your iPhone faster than you can do it on anything else in your arsenal. Something I've been testing out, um, that isn't really ready for prime time, I'm not going to recommend it yet, but I'm interested in it, is a service called MyMind, M-Y-M-I-N-D. And it's a service where you can say basically anything you find with a URL attached to it. And then this is a service, whether it's pictures or articles or YouTube videos, and then the service automatically tags them and organizes them for you, which I think that's kind of the killer feature of it, because then later you can go back and say, give me everything in here about Dexter Gordon. And then it shows you all the links that you've saved related to Dexter Gordon. And it it seems like it does a pretty good job. Like I said, I'm only about a month into an experiment with it. I'm not ready to recommend it, but if this is something that's of interest to you, you may want to check it out. And it is a great way to capture on your iPhone.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at their website. So it it sort of takes everything you dump into it and organizes it for you.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of services like this but the thing that makes this one unique is the artificial intelligence of tagging for you. Because who wants to tag all this stuff once you capture it? Yeah. Time tracking is another thing. I capture my iPhone all the time. And that's probably not a big subject for today. But, you know, shortcuts and timery. And I'm able to capture time real quick. Um, maybe we'll talk about that someday. I don't think you do any of that stuff, right, Stephen?
0: uh I don't uh but yeah. when I have in the past uh Timery is totally the way to go. It is a true like first class iOS app that supports all sorts of great stuff.
1: Yeah, and he has a really nice widget that puts the titles tiles in half half space. So like you put a decent sized widget, you can have almost all your timers just on your screen. You just tap it and it automatically triggers it. You can't really get much faster than that. Mm-hmm. One more um that's related to capturing notes, but I wanted to give it just a, a few minutes is brainstorming. It's funny because I have a lot of workflows that are constantly in flux, but brainstorming has been the same for me. Basically, ever since I started using MindNote on the Mac before there was an iPhone, I've been using this app for so long, but it's so good for visual thinkers and if you like to brainstorm on ideas and uh, i'll call back to our cooking ideas episode which is like 500 episodes ago or something <laughs> <laughs> maybe we need to revisit that at some point but it's just it still works the idea of coming back occasionally to something and my note is on all platforms but most importantly it's on iphone and um i often find my subconscious comes up with answers and ideas that my active conscious cannot so when I hit a roadblock, one of the first things I'll do is move on to something else. And then like the next day I'll be, you know, I don't know, slicing a pear and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what I need to do. And so then I just quickly open up my node and just add the node with the answer and then put my phone back in my pocket. And I do that almost daily because I have so many things I'm working on at once. Um, I love it when my brain kind of solves. It's like... um putting the, the the problem into a subroutine and the brain just spits out an answer when you least expect it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my note is great for that. Uh, something that I've been doing recently is actually using things, you know, the very nice looking task manager uh, yeah. for maybe not brainstorming, but kind of the thing before brainstorming. So I have, I'm actually opening it now, you know, in things I have a list for uh column ideas for ideas for YouTube videos, did for Twitch streams. And it's the same idea for me as with my node for you, I think, of this sort of thinking needs to go one place and I can do it really quickly because things is really nicely designed, especially on the iPhone. And you notice know, as I wander through my work life and something comes up that oh I should write or talk or do a video about that, then um I can go back later and see, you know, that I've collected all these ideas and then pick one that I think is, is the right one for a given time. I used to not really have a good place for that. And, uh, as weird as it may seem, things has kind of proven itself to be the right place.
1: I mean, the right place is whatever is the right place for you. Yep. If you're listening to the show and you're doing it in Apple notes and you're happy, then don't change. I mean, that's the whole point is not to tell you exactly which app to use, but think about the workflow. And I do think that whenever you put something like that out of your brain and into paper or digital equivalent of paper, it like relieves some pressure. You know, it's like, then your brain's like, okay, I don't have to retain that knowledge. Now I can just like mix it up and see what comes out of it. And, um, I don't know. We'll have to have a cognitive scientist on someday to explain it. But I just I think it really works, and this is something where using these digital tools, especially one that fits in your pocket, can really be of assistance.
0: Mm-hmm. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by the Intrazone by Microsoft. It's always fun to find new podcasts to listen to, and if you're in the market, the Intrazone is a biweekly podcast with conversations and interviews on how Microsoft SharePoint, OneDrive, and related technologies can work for you. You'll hear from guest experts behind the scenes and out in the field, so you can see how SharePoint fits into your everyday work life to easily share and manage content, knowledge, and applications. Each show covers a bunch of segments like news and announcements, focus topics, guest perspectives, FAQs, and upcoming events. And the topics for each show are really interesting. Previous episodes cover migration to the cloud, things like API and teamwork, and cloud admin. A recent episode talks with Sam Crutzen, who's a senior program manager at Microsoft, and he helps manage the Microsoft web on SharePoint. It's Microsoft's internal portal for its 163,000 full-time employees. I have never worked in a company that big. And so learning about how information is shared and uh, data is controlled in a company that big was fascinating to hear about. So go and listen to it now. Just search for the Intrazone zone, wherever you get your podcasts that's I N T R A Z O N E, or just click the link in the show notes to check it out. Our thanks to the intro zone by Microsoft SharePoint for their support of this show. And Relay FM.
1: The phone is also a great pocket assistant. You know, I like to think of it as a little helper in my pocket. Don't be weird. Um, so you pull out your phone, and it gives you your calendar. And we just did a show on calendars and tasks. But in particular, I use fantastic apps. I explained in that show. But the things I do on the phone that I find extremely useful are number one. The widget. I actually have the large size Fantastica widget on my home screen, like the front and center top of my home screen is all of my appointments. I don't have the calendar view, it's just a list of appointments on my phone that updates throughout the day. And because I block my time, it's so useful to pull my phone out and just say, okay, what's up? You know, what are the next two or three obligations I have? And as soon as I tried that I was immediately sold on it and that is something the iPhone only can really do for me because it's the only thing in my pocket.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think the ability to very quickly see what's next. I mean that is something that is I mean if you as old as handheld technology is, right? Like go back to the the original Palm Pilot, you know, having calendars and tasks be quickly available to you not only to review but to edit or add. That's so core to this. And I think it's interesting thinking in the early days of the iPhone, that was there. You know, the the original iPhone the first year didn't have an app store, right? Didn't have a bunch of stuff we have now. But you could dock your phone with your Mac and sync your contacts and calendars over really easily. They even had that on the iPod before that. Apple's understood for a long time. This is about as close to the core as you can get, I think
1: yeah I had a very complicated shortcut I built when they first started getting you know shortcuts on the phone where I was gonna take my calendar and turn it into a PDF and then turn that into a wallpaper and have it run like three times a day to keep updating the wallpaper to show my calendar. <laughs> you know I mean <laughs> this is some real Rube Goldberg nonsense and uh, then Apple pulled the ability to set a wallpaper with shortcuts at the time. But this new system where you can just have your calendar app, put a widget on your screen with your appointments, uh, it's a game changer for me. I'm not sure it is for everybody because not everybody block calendars or maybe some people don't have a lot of appointments for someone like that. Maybe your task list on the home screen would be better. Uh, But I really find putting the calendar up really keeps me centered throughout the day. And Mm -hmm, then it relieves me the obligation of trying to remember. It's also really nice because at night it shows the appointments for the next day or in the morning it shows the appointments for the rest of the day. And it, it just, I don't have to think about it. It's always updating and it's just there.
0: Yeah. I mean, likewise, calendar is always front and center for me on the Apple watch and having that be a complication that's very easily accessible is really important to me. And I don't, I don't block schedule the way you do, but I do have my calendar basically full every day and having the ability to quickly see what's coming up, how much time I have left, et cetera. It's invaluable.
1: Yeah. Which, which widget do you use on the iPhone, the Apple calendar or the fantastical? Uh, widget?
0: Apple calendar. So when we did the calendar and contacts episode, I think I was, I was using fantastical, but I really, I don't know what my issue was and I haven't dug into it. I haven't reached out to fantastical. I've just sort of punted the problem off into the future. But I was having some some sync issues on my account uh, where tasks would just wouldn't show up for hours and hours. And I tried doing what I could to troubleshoot it, and I just have been really busy. So I'm back in Apple Calendar for now. Uh, but I actually really like the Apple Calendar widget. I use the one that is the list of tasks on the left, and on the right is a mini calendar with a date. Because uh, very often I'm working like days ahead of myself. Right. Like it'll be, you know, six days before this episode comes out. And so I very often need to see what's the date next Sunday. What's the date two Tuesdays from now. And so I've kind of combined what's next to my calendar and what the month looks like in a, in kind of a one-stop shop.
1: Yeah. I haven't looked at the Apple calendar widget for a long time. So I just loaded it up as you were talking and, um, yeah, I'm not a fan. The, um, the Fantastica one gives me the weather yeah, and the information is denser so I can see more stuff like this doesn't show anything from tomorrow.
0: Yeah, the Fantastica one is definitely better than Apple's. I agree.
1: But either way, um, whichever calendar app, even if you're using something other than calendars or Fantastica, anyone worth its salt has a, has a widget. So check it out and, uh, and try putting that to use because... As things stand for me, I don't. All I have to do is lift my, raise my phone, and I have my calendar in front of me. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate, you know. Yep. Uh, ta- tasks related, we covered that as well in that same episode, and nothing for me has changed with tasks. The only thing I wanted to to talk about with task again is that my calendar. I have a stack where I have my big fantastic calendar. And behind that is this is the OmniFocus. Um, I have a perspective called do do D O period, you know, like, um, based off the Yoda quote, but the, um, and it's just the stuff that's really on deck for today. And it's the same thing. I can, I can just swipe up on the calendar and have that list. And again, having quick access to what, where you need to be and what you need to be, what you need to do really helps you get where you need to be and do what you need to do.
0: Yeah, I think stacking on the iPhone is a is a huge way to have a greater data density. And so like behind the the calendar app for mine, I have a one that has time zones of everybody I commonly work with. And having the ability to quickly switch between the two is really nice when trying to, you know, sort something out uh on a calendar or in a conversation. I think the other thing I would say with widgets is you do have the today view, which is to the left of the main home screen. And so for me, I don't use the big calendar widget like you do, mine just the sort of medium size, but I have a full size one that shows me even more on the today view. And I think that's a great place to stash bigger widgets or stacks you may not need as often, but you still want to quickly gain access to. I think before I was 14 I mostly ignored the today screen on the iPhone, but I've really found it a great place to stash widgets that I may not want out on a home screen, but I still want access to occasionally and they're just you just a swipe away from the home page and you can get to them from the lock screen, which is nice too. I think another aspect of this is the the ability to turn your phone into a calculator, right? Something as simple uh, as doing a tip at a restaurant or working, splitting something out from various people, something I use my phone uh, for all the time. And as far as I'm concerned, there's really only one calculator that matters, and that's that's PCalc by our friend uh, James Thompson. It's been around for a long time, fully featured, but if you don't need a bunch of like scientific engineering stuff, you can just use it as a regular calculator. It's got themes, uh, it's got always has support for the newest technology. Uh, there's even a uh, an Apple Watch version, which I got to say, using a calculator in your Apple Watch really feels like the future in a way. Um, but PCALC is simply fantastic.
1: Using your watch for a calculator you ever, either feels like the future or it feels like 1980. I'm not sure. One or the other. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I also own a calculator watch from the 80s. Oh, do uh, you? But know, if, if I'm wearing the Apple Watch, you, you can fake it.
1: I had a buddy that had one growing up, and like this is like the early 80s. And like he had to take it off when we took math tests and stuff. It was very, it's very complicated. Oh, I bet. (laughs) I'm just checking the time. No, you're not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And honestly, if you thought you could do all your calculations on your 1982 calculator watch, good luck. You know, have fun. Yeah. It's not just though, adding up numbers or tips. I think that no matter what business you're in, um, a, a calculator can become a lot more with the right app. Like, um, I, I too am a big fan of P James Thompson as a friend, but also it's, it is just the best calculator and it has whimsy and it's a really good calculator and you can customize it. There's a whole lot you can do with it, but there is one other app I want to mention kind of in this category, that is an app that is more of a, um, spreadsheet like it's like a mix between a spreadsheet and a calculator um and that's the uh the app called power one and power one is a calculator but it has all these modules you use on it like one of the things as a lawyer i often need is tvm calculations time value money so like if someone's gonna pay off a settlement and they need to pay x dollars over six years at seven percent interest you know what is the amortization table and Power One does that. It just, you know, you put in the basic variables and it spits out the calculation for you. And it also will email you an amortization table. And it's just like stuff, custom calculations like that, um, I think are really nice. And like it has a bunch of different modules, like things like chemistry or things like construction estimating. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of different businesses out there where you have a different set of calculations you run all the time. And this just lays those templates on top of it. I once talked to the Power One developer. He's been around forever. Like this app was, I think, on Palm Pilot. I mean, I don't want to say it's been around forever. But uh, just like James, he puts a lot of love and attention into it. And it is a unique tool that not everybody needs. But if you're in a business where you run a specific type of calculation, often this is the way to go.
0: Uh, Lastly, we have the actual digital assistant uh, in Siri. And I know a lot of people uh, hear Siri being brought up and and roll their eyes, and it, it could definitely be better in a lot of ways. But being able to just ask your phone almost anything, and I think the hit rate is better than sort of the jokey tech culture would let on, that is incredibly powerful. And it does, yeah. yes, make mistakes, but being able to just ask out loud to your phone uh what's the weather by using shortcuts being able to build custom things to be triggered by your voice uh, it's all um it's all very powerful and i'm very curious about how siri pops up for you day to day with your phone
1: well i mean i just i find all sorts of uses for it i do calculations with it you know simple calculations i do i ask it to call people i ask it to send messages you know all the basic uses of siri I mean, I just, I just use it kind of as intended. I think a lot of people get a couple hits where it doesn't work, and they get frustrated, and they never go back to it. Um, some of that is on Siri, and some of it is, you know, I hate to say this, like you're doing it wrong, right? Um, <laughs> when you talk to Siri, you have to be very clear with your voice. Um, it's very easy to mumble as we talk to each other. But when you're talking to a computer, you've got to, you know, really enunciate every word so the computer can put them together. It just takes a little bit more intentionality, which, um, you know, is sad. I wish we didn't have to do that. But, you know, it's it's a dumb computer trying to interpret your voice. But if you just kind of learn how to talk to it and learn some of the commands, I think you'd be surprised how useful it can be.
0: I think so, too. And and I think if you've written Siri off and haven't really spent a lot of time with it in the last two or three years, I think it's worth taking another look because Apple has done a good job of not only dealing with the sort of the smarts of Siri, but what Siri can know about and access is broader than ever. And sometimes, I mean, I've had, you know, my kids like to have no concept of, what Siri may or may not know as far as they're concerned, it's all knowing. And I've been surprised several times, you know, something they ask the home pod in the kitchen and it just rattles off the right answer. It's like, I had no idea Siri knew about that category of things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, there are some things where Siri is just the fastest way. Like another thing lawyers do is have to figure out, you know, what's 30 days past March 17. And you can ask that of Siri and it'll give you an answer. I do have a date calculator kind of thing I built, but uh, if I can just ask Siri and get the answer that that's better. And it's not, you know, it's not as efficient as a human, you know, but that's kind of always been the case. Like even back when I was um, working on PCs with a fancy version of dragon dictate, I could dictate a letter, but the computer couldn't, you know, format the letter exactly the way I want couldn't go to the file and find the address of the other guy and put the guy's address in it couldn't print it out and lick a stamp and put it in the mail. You know, there's a bunch of things computers can't do that humans can. And I don't think it's really fair like holding it to that standard because it's just not there, but it is a digital assistant that will help you as much as it can. And kind of the same thing goes for voice to text dictation. Um, I didn't say it earlier, but when I open drafts to capture a note, usually I speak to it. But if you're you're in an environment where you can't speak out loud or you're embarrassed to ask Siri things out loud, you can also type to Siri.
0: Yeah, this is a, a new feature as of a couple of years ago, and it's uh, in the accessibility settings on the iPhone. And you go in there, and you can basically... Uh, Instead of Siri listening for you, you get a text field and you can type to it um, whatever you would normally say. And that's fantastic for uh, lots of reasons. Uh, I mean, you mentioned maybe you're in a situation where you you can't speak to it. But it's also great from an accessibility standpoint, a privacy standpoint. Um, And it is pretty cool. I, I wish it wasn't buried in accessibility. And I wish you could maybe more quickly switch between the two, but it is there if that fits your needs better.
1: I mean, one of the fundamental problems with Siri to me is that Apple is selling it as a digital assistant and making it sound like a person inside your iPhone. You know, it tells jokes and it has, you know, it tries to approximate a human and it adds in little side comments. Sometimes when it answers your questions, all trying to fool you into know like there is an actual person inside your phone, which we all know is not true, but it still creates this kind of uncanny Valley thing where we think there's a part of us that thinks it is a human in there. And then we get super frustrated because the human is extra stupid. And I think you just got to keep in your head, this is a computer that's doing its best to you know turn ones and zeros into useful information for me, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to get better over time. It's it's definitely better now than it was last year or two or three years ago, but it could it'll be better in another year or two or three as well. But but just spend some time with it because I do think we're you know we're making progress on this, and as you move down the years, I think increasingly this little voice helper in your pocket or in your AirPod is going to be something that that you can really take advantage of to be more productive. Another example, I am, I'm a big believer in Pomodoro timers. Have you ever heard of that phrase before? Yes. The idea is if you get, find yourself getting stuck or distracted just to buckle down and I do them 45, 15. I think the, the Canon is like, you do it for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break. But I, I go for 45 minutes and then I take a 15 minute break. And so I just want to set a 45 minute timer. So I'm going to say, I'm not going to do anything but work on this project for 45 minutes. And, you know, I just tell Siri this set a timer for 45 minutes. I don't use an app. I just use the built-in stuff. And, and Siri does a great job. I was almost going to say she does a great job because my Siri voice is female. And you can see why I'm already myself confusing this as a human.
0: Yeah, it is, uh, the gendering of Siri is definitely an interesting topic. And of iOS 14.5, Apple has two new voices and they've removed the gender labels from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I switched about a year ago to the male Siri voice and I uh, actually really like the way it sounds. And the new ones are the new ones in 14.5. Again, we're going to talk about 14.5 and more power users. The new voices are so good. Uh, but you do need to remember that you are speaking to a computer And it's not, it it lacks the context that we all have as human beings out in the real world. And, you know, some people find that frustrating. I know a lot of people find the humor and like the side remarks that Apple has programmed into Siri, they find those annoying that they would rather it just say yes or no, as opposed to something longer that tries to be funny but that's just the choices Apple has made, and other voice assistant companies have made different choices. But Siri's the one that's built into the phone when you hit the side button.
1: Sometimes I wonder if we wouldn't be more comfortable with it if it wasn't like the old, you know, War Games robot voice that that only just says the basics and doesn't try to act like a human. Sure. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by DevonThink. Go to devontechnologies.com MPU to get organized and unleash your creativity and get 10% off. DevonThink is the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. Steven and I are both users. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks and working with them. The integrated AI assists you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language with advanced Boolean operators helps you out as well. DevonThink features a flexible sync system that supports many cloud services or lets you synchronize over the local network too, with everything securely encrypted. This gives you the choice of however syncing works best for you. It has smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring, repeated tasks. Let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules you define. DevonThink is an automation powerhouse. I can tell you that from my own use. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There is no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. Extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to the scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside, and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or inserted by your own AppleScript code. And of course, there's so much more from the iOS companion app to email archiving and scanning, or even an embedded web server for sharing your data securely with your team. I like Think because it feels like using the Finder, but with a robot brain and more automation. It's just so superior in every way. So if I ever have collections of documents that I need to manage or work with, they go in DevonThink. And, and one of the nice things about DevonThink is you can make separate libraries for different categories of documents. In my case, I've got libraries related to Max Sparky and some related to the law practice, and the documents don't have to integrate between each other. It's a very powerful app. And once you start using it, you'll see exactly why we love it so much. You can get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to slash M you That's devintechnologies.com slash MPU to get that 10% off. And finally, my thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of the Mac power users for making some awesome software and their support of all of Relay FM. Okay. Another thing that you can get work done with your iPhone is just referencing all your notes. And once again, having a universal reference in your pocket is something that is extraordinarily useful for getting your work done. Uh, we did a whole show on obsidian but you know i've got all my notes in obsidian at this point and they're all linked and the app for obsidian just continues to get better we weren't really fair tearing into it the last time i mean it's still in beta and, and it is different still because it's based on a an, an electron app but i can get to my notes very quickly and it's really great when a client asks me hey when did that guy call you and i can just open obsidian push a couple buttons and say. March 17th at 3 PM, you know, mm-hmm. that, that makes me uh, very impressive. Um, and, uh, so, uh, reference materials in my own note system is one of the things I do all the time with my iPhone that I feel like makes me productive and is impressive to my clients.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm still a devout Apple notes user. Uh, I do wish that the notes app was a bit faster. I mean, I've got, probably close to 400 notes in there and finding what I need, the search and everything like it's, the search is good, but I feel like it could be, it could be more efficient. The thing for me with, with any reference system is like my data is only as discoverable as I've made it. And so I try to take the time. I have a bunch of folders and notes I try to put things in the right folder, try to give it a name that is descriptive that I could be able to find later on. And I know with Obsidian in particular, the search is pretty powerful, and you have the linking aspect, and so you can get to that stuff better. But in my mind, really, and I've really learned this through DevonThink, which I don't hardly ever use on the iPhone unless I'm saving something. But with you know 25,000 pieces of data in DevonThink in my tech history research, being able to sort through all that, like it does require a little bit of work on the front end. And so having some sort of organization, if it's tags or folders or both, that can really pay off as your reference material grows over time. And this stuff only Hmm. grows over time. I've learned.
1: Yeah, it does. You're right. And, and related our files, you know, the same thing. I don't look at the iPhone as a great file system device, but When I'm talking to somebody on the phone, it used to happen when I left the house and I'd go to lunch and they'd say, Hey, can you send me a copy of that contract from five years ago? And I can very quickly access it, whether it's in files or Dropbox and then share it to them. And it's spooky for the client when your lawyer says, Oh yeah, that, that obscure thing from five years ago in like 30 seconds, I'm going to have it in your inbox and that's, that's a good thing. You know, not only is it good, I guess, from a, an impress the client feature, but it's also a good thing in terms of finding the documents. I mean, for me, this all goes back to when I first started as a lawyer and we would all spend way too much time wandering around the office looking for things, you know, who, who has the Smith file that's in Joe's office? Well, who, who took the correspondence out of the Smith file? That's in Mary's office, you know, and the, all that stuff now for me with, with my iPhone is immediately accessible. And I, you know, obviously I spent time setting up these systems sure. so I can do that, but it's, uh, it's awesome. And my phone is like my little device that accesses everything. It's not so much for input for reference and files, but it's for sharing and output. Uh, some unexpected uses, uh, at the beginning of the show, I talked about how, if you're making a big pivot table spreadsheet, the iPhone's no good for you. But increasingly, you know, we've been, I've been thinking about this show for a while and just kind of paying attention. But I find that I am doing some things with the iPhone that, that I never thought I would. You know, the Microsoft Word and, and Pages apps are both fine. I use Word probably more than Pages because most lawyers don't use Pages. But people send me contracts all the time, and they'll say, well, I just made a few changes. And so long as they have track changes on, I can see those. On the iPhone, and if I'm somewhere out or not near a computer, but we're on the verge of getting a contract done, I can check the changes on my little iPhone screen just fine. And while I'm not writing these documents on the iPhone, um, I am absolutely using these power apps to check 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 on little things and like do document approvals. PDF signatures is the same thing. I can review and sign a PDF on my iPhone, which you know I didn't think I'd do a few years ago.
0: You know that's really cool, and it it makes you available to your clients when
1: you n- you need to
0: be, regardless of your context, right? Which makes yeah. which makes you uh, an even more valuable asset to their team. Uh, for me, the big unexpected use over the last couple of years is uh, just post production on podcasts, so not editing. But we have a lot of data that needs to go into our content management system, and we've worked hard to make that work really well on iOS. Uh, There's some features in there that came straight from you uh, that we've implemented. And even being able to take an audio file and upload it. So we basically use Dropbox for everything at FM between us and our editor and uh, even just inner show stuff and being able to just go to the Lipson website and upload. Yeah. It's not the best thing in the world, but I find myself doing it more often than I anticipated. Uh, It is a situation where it hurts that transmit for iOS is dead. Uh, It still works in iOS 14. There's some stuff that's broken, but you know, it's this great FTP app for the Mac and it was on iOS and they've, they've basically said they're no longer supporting it. But Even like this big file stuff that traditionally is like, oh, I need to grab my laptop. Uh, The iPhone may not be my first choice for it, but it's more than capable. And, And for me, these things that have cropped up are because Safari on the iPhone has gotten better. That Safari for iPhone can upload and it can pick Dropbox from the files picker and even downloading files from Safari, right? It used to be not possible. You'd have to copy something and then put it in iCab or something, you know, have some other browser on your phone and seeing Safari get more capable uh, on the iPhone and iPad has really made the iPhone in particular more useful for that sort of once in a blue moon stuff. It's like, yeah, I'd prefer to do this on a larger screen, but Safari is good enough where I can, I can get it done here too.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think something we haven't talked about yet that I just want to give a little bit of time to is, if you want to get like productive work on your iPhone, are there any accessories that can help you out? And I find uh, that for me, there's two that I use. I have to intentionally take them with me. They're not always in my bag, but um, there is a little plastic iPhone stand. You can, there's all sorts of iPhone stands. You can spend a lot of money on them. The one I got is. It's just two pieces of plastic that have a hinge on one end and you just fold them out and you prop them up. And I think for like $10 on Amazon, I got like 15 of these stands, you know, because it's honestly, it's (laughs) a little piece of plastic, but it's good enough to hold up an iPhone. And then the um, iClever makes this keyboard that folds in half. And I just found the Amazon link. I'll put it in the show notes, but they've come out with two or three iterations since I bought this one like three or four years ago. And it's a little Bluetooth keyboard and it, it fits in your pocket in a jam, but it also fits in your bag very easily. Like if you were going somewhere and back when I used to go to Disneyland, actually, I take that back. When this show publishes, I will have been to Disneyland, but it just goes in my bag because once in a while I'll get an email from a client that's like, oh no, I'm on fire or something's really wrong. I really need your help. And the nature of my practice is I'm the only guy. So I got to stop and fix it. And with a little piece of plastic stand and this, like, $30 Bluetooth keyboard, I can set my iPhone up on a table anywhere in the world and and write fancy emails and, you know, do obsidian entries and all the stuff that I do on all my other better computers for those tasks. But it's always with me. And um, I find this very useful. Like, if you fly a lot, uh, and hopefully you will be soon, Um, rather than having to like put your laptop on the tray back, you just get this little stand and this, this, um, keyboard and you're good to go. And I have got a remarkable amount of work done with this little keyboard setup.
0: That's really cool. Uh, I have definitely used the, uh, standard Apple Bluetooth keyboard. and paired it with my phone before. I haven't ever tried anything, uh, specific, you know, for the iPhone that folds down and stuff, but that makes a lot of sense.
1: Well, um. My point with today's show really was just to kind of put an exclamation point on the argument that, yeah, you can get work done with your iPhone. I think the trick is to figure out what what that means to you, you know, like determining the work that is best done on an iPhone or possible on an iPhone versus the work that is much better to be done on a Mac or an iPad is the trick, you know, and then when you find yourself with just your iPhone, you're like, okay, well, I know that like, um, for me, one of them is editing uh, OmniFocus projects. OmniFocus has this great review system. I can do that with my iPhone anywhere in the world. I do that at the dog park. I do it, you know, just sitting at a table sometimes when I'm waiting for my wife to finish doing whatever she's doing. So, like, if you know in your mind the stuff, the the productive work you can do on your iPhone, it makes it easy to go to that stuff. What What is your white whale on your iPhone? The one thing you wish you could do that you can't.
0: I mean, there's part of me that, that wishes I could easily, you know, have it power, like a display keyboard and mouse really easily. Like imagine I'm, you know, at my mom's house and like need to get some stuff done. Like I have it all on my phone, but it could, you know, make it more of a computer like experience. Uh, yeah, there <laughs> there's been a lot of attempts at that at the, in the past, I'll put a link in the show notes, uh, this episode of my podcast flashback that we just did where we talk about this very thing, but you know, kind of the dream of your phone scaling to whatever you need it to do would be pretty cool. Uh, But we're nowhere really near that, at least on the iPhone side of things.
1: Yeah. I I don't think you're traveling much these days, but I I would recommend you buy one of these iClever keyboards and just carry around the, the phone and the keyboard. With you, because it takes so little room in your bag, and see if you find yourself using it or not. But I don't know. I, I think that these days the uh, um, the Hackett enterprises are pretty much located at Hackett headquarters.
0: Yeah, yeah, I haven't gone anywhere in a long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. At some point, though, I, I think that you would find it useful. Yeah, for me, I think it, it. Honestly, there isn't a whole lot that is my white whale anymore. The big one for me was recently was obsidian access as i i started pouring data into it um but now that the the mobile app is out i feel like i'm pretty good uh, there there are none there are no pieces of my kind of infrastructure system that are not accessible on all devices and i like that all right well hopefully we helped you out um if you've got some ideas for you know workflows or ideas for getting serious work done with your iphone maybe you've got some great stories you want to share about how you're using your iPhone to get work done. You know where, you know where you would go for that, Steven, Where would you go?
0: I would go to the, uh, MPU forums and, uh, there'll be a thread in there for this episode. That's where I'd go to.
1: Yeah. Let us know. I'd love to hear it. Maybe we can put it in the feedback episode. Um, I know there's some folks out there who are like people who are on the road a lot that do even more than we do with our iPhone. And I'd love to hear from them. Same. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Our sponsors today are our friends over at 1Password, SaneBox, Microsoft, and DevonThink. All of those are outstanding apps that that I use. So it's great when mm-hmm. sponsors are people that you buy stuff from. Mm-hmm. Before we go, Stephen, you want to tell us a little bit about Top 4?
0: Yeah, Top 4 is a, another show here on Relay FM. Uh, Marco and Tiff Armit basically make top four lists out of ridiculous things uh you're going to be furious maybe disgusted maybe overjoyed depending on what they're talking about uh the show where they did all ranked all jelly bean flavors i thought that i was going to die listening to it uh but it's great super random super fun check it out at relay.fm slash top four or search for top four wherever you get your podcasts
1: what is your favorite jelly bean flavor steven
0: I'm really partial to fruit flavors. So like a peach? Oh, me too. I'm so or I'm strawberry so or something.
1: Yeah. Be good. Watermelon? If you, if you mm. were going to say like if you were going to say like licorice, I was going to end the show. That would be No, a,
0: that's disgusting. I mean, no more. No one likes licorice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, okay, we're on the same page there. Hey, gang. Today is as we release this, it is uh May 2nd. It's just 2 days until May 4th. It's just two days until you can buy that t-shirt. Those mugs are still available as well. It's also just two days until you can watch Star Wars on May the 4th. So you should do that too. Uh, Once again, we're the Mac Power Users. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.